Good morning, everyone. Enjoying the summer, I hope. Well, welcome. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Basil Favis. I am an elder here at Westview and also part of the preaching team. Welcome, and um, may God's blessing be on you, and may the Holy Spirit fall upon this place. What I wanted to talk to you about today, um, I'm going to do by actually starting with a story. Um, so I have a story um, when I was just finishing my studies, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, I was very, very big into canoe camping, and a friend of mine also was very big into canoe camping, and uh, we decided to do a trip. And we did a trip up to Leverandre Park. I don't know how many of you know about Leverandre Park. So Leverandre is a beautiful park. It's about four hours away from Montreal, and we headed in there. We had our canoe on the top of the car. We went deep into Lavarandre for about seven days in the month of May. So it was, if you know the month of May in Lavarandre, can be a bit challenging, but we went deep in. So we did portages, we did the whole thing, we went in, and it was so beautiful. It turned out that the sun came out and everything was great, and we said, you know, we were on our way back, and we said, you know, we gotta, we got to spend one more night in the park. So to give you a bit of background, the very next day, the friend I was with was actually graduating at Place des Arts. It wasn't a little thing. He was graduating, you know, from university, actually graduating from med school. It was family coming from all over the country, and they were, this was the next day, he was to be at Place des Arts, and Place des Arts, the ceremonies for graduation started at 2 o'clock. So we were here, we got into the last lake for, I don't know if any of you know Lac Verandre, but it's a lake called Jean Paré. It's a long lake. And we figured, oh, this is, this is easy. We're seasoned canoers. We know how to do this. We'll spend one more night. And so there we are. We spend the night. We're five kilometers away from land. Like, we still had five kilometers to canoe. And we said, this isn't a problem, right? Of course, you know. Uh, you know, this was probably very flawed right from the beginning, but we said there was no problem. And we said, well, what we'll do is we'll wake up early, even before dawn, we'll get with our flashlights, we'll break camp, we'll take down our tents, we'll put everything in the canoe, we'll canoe five kilometers back to the lake, we should be in the car by seven, we'll have you home by 11, and you'll be able to make it to Place des Arts for two. So this was fine, everything was great. We thought it was a great plan. We wake up. As soon as the very first light of day comes, the deepest fog you have ever seen in all your life is over this lake. We could barely see from one end of the tent to the other. The fog was so deep. So we scrambled around and we said, well, we're just going to go and do this. And we kind of took it together. We took the thing down. Maybe it's going to leave. You know, maybe the fog will lift. You know, we got up at like 5 in the morning, 4.30, 5 in the morning. Break camp. We get into the canoe. We get everything into the canoe. Still deep fog. I could barely see three feet in front of me. This fog was so deep. So my friend looks at me and says, Basil, he says, thank you very much. Because, you know, this is what happens, right? Everyone starts blaming everyone else. You know, he goes, look what you've done. So this is all your fault. And I said, I said, Bill, we can do this. We can do this. I said, look, we have a topographical map. 
and we have a compass. We know we're on this big, big lake. Yes, we have five kilometers we have to paddle. But I think if we just aim the canoe out into the middle, we'll just guide ourselves back by compass. And so we went out into this deep fog. I literally could barely see him in front of me in the canoe. And we got to where we thought was the middle of the lake, had the compass, we had the topographical map, and we kept going five kilometers. It took us about an hour to canoe because we couldn't go at very high speed. And I have to tell you, we literally banged into the dock. We got into the car, we drove, and I got him there for one o'clock. <laughs> the whole family is up there, you know, and all in ties and everything. And he's coming out smelling like campfires and everything. And I did a very quick goodbye at that point, kind of waved to the family and took off, right? But the reason I wanted to talk about that story is that that story has always been an interesting story for me about how we often have to navigate through life. When we come to the Christian faith, we often think, oh, things are, everything's going to be crystal clear. You know, this term that we, you know, it'll all be black and white. But we're actually called, we are actually involved in the Holy Spirit leading us through what I would call the fog of life often, or the gray spaces of life. And so today, what I actually wanted to share with you with that kind of story in the back is a sermon on John chapter seven. And in John chapter seven, what you're going to see here is that Jesus is going to the Feast of Tabernacles. We'll be looking at about the first 38 verses of John 7, mostly. And I have some comments on the other as well that might come up during question period. But what the Lord put on my heart was that the words of Jesus in this portion of Scripture are a deep message to us about how we are led by the Holy Spirit. What is the compass that God is giving us in our lives. What, how does the Holy Spirit lead us, but also how does the Holy Spirit not lead us? So Jesus in John chapter seven is going to something called the, um, the Feast of Tabernacles. <clears throat> Let me tell you a little bit about this. For those of you who know that we're going through the book of John, over the last couple weeks, one of the things that we've talked about in John 5 and in John 6, that we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000. But Jesus has just done this amazing miracle. He's also walked on the water in front of his own disciples. And here, the stage is set now in John chapter 7. And Jesus is talking to his brothers, and they have before them this feast, this Feast of Tabernacles. First of all, what was the Feast of Tabernacles? 
The Feast of Tabernacles was one of the three great festivals of the Jewish year. It was kept for seven days. So it was a seven-day-long festival. We like to do festivals in Montreal, and our festivals are, you know, but this is a seven-day festival. It was done at the end of the year, at the end of the labors of the field, and it was about, you know, the gathering in of everything, of all of their labors. And it was a festival for that. And every male was generally required to attend and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. What they would do, and this is also a feast that is still celebrated by the Jewish community today, and it's called Sukkot, is that they would build boughs and branches and live in the boughs and branches of trees and branches for the seven days. What it was, it was actually a historical reference to the time of the Exodus. For when, for when Moses brought his people out of Egypt. The Lord brought his people out of Egypt, and they were living in the desert simply and under these boughs and branches. So really, this is what was being celebrated, and this was an agricultural kind of celebration, which many of the other non-believing non-believers would have had, but it was much more than that. It was also a remembering of redemption and the redemption of God's people. So here it is, the Feast of the Tabernacles. So when we start in John chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. I want you to remember what the meaning of the Feast of Tabernacles was, but I want to also just alert you to this idea that in everything that Jesus will be doing here, there is a tremendous teaching for how we are meant to be led by the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is a compass for us in what is often the fog of life. John chapter 7, verses 1 to 9. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go up to Judea so that your disciples may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourselves to the world. This was just after the feeding of the 5,000. For even then his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. What you're going to see at the end, and I'm going to give you a prelude, as we get to the end of the sermon today and on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus actually talks about the Holy Spirit and the water of life. Everything that we're supposed to be understanding here in Jesus' actions is a teaching for us about the Holy Spirit teaches us to become an image of Christ. 
So how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Jesus' brothers said to him, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. One of the first teachings of this scripture that is really important and is a message to all of us is that the Holy Spirit cannot freely flow in lives where our main motivation is to honor ourselves and to seek star status, which is exactly what his brothers were encouraging him to do. That is a teaching of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually going to be a phenomenal teaching all the way through John chapter 7, is that this, Jesus is just holding up this strong desire that we have to honor ourselves over honoring God and honoring others. The second thing that Jesus says here is that the world cannot hate, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and there's a very, very good book that is a tremendous book. It's a very basic book that's studied in, 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 in most theological schools in the first year. It's called The Christian Mind by Harry Blamiris. And one of the traits of the Christian as he is transformed by the Holy Spirit, according to Blamiris, is exactly what is being said here and it is an awareness of evil. The Christian has an awareness of evil. The Holy Spirit will lead us into an understanding of an awareness of evil. And often that awareness of evil is going to be related to exactly what Jesus said at the beginning. It's because we're going to be able to see not legal little points of what is right and what is not right, but we will be, by the power of the Holy Spirit, able to see core motivations and understand when people are mostly simply out to honor themselves rather than honoring God and honoring others. These things lead to deep evil. And we are called as people of God to actually have an awareness of evil. And then at the end, Jesus says of the scriptures that I've just showed you, he said, I'm not going up to the festival. And the question then is to us, is that there's another thing that the Holy Spirit calls us to do at times. The Holy Spirit is calling us to wait, to wait on the Lord. Let's continue in John chapter 7, 10 to 18. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? They were all looking for Jesus, but Jesus had gone in secret. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. I mean, it's the same things that people say about Jesus today, right? And some will say, yes, he's a, you know, oh, he's a good man, or, or he's a prophet, or he's a deceiver. Others, as you will see later in this chapter, some will say, who could say the things that are being said except the Christ? So we have Jesus as prophet, Jesus as deceiver, Jesus as the Christ. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. 
not until halfway through the festival, this would have been on the third or fourth day, did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. These movements and this, 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 the way Jesus is in tune with the Father is again teaching us about how we are to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and here is another truth, so the Holy Spirit does not move freely in us if our desire is to honor ourselves. The Holy Spirit makes us and gives us an awareness of evil. But the Holy Spirit here is another teaching. The Holy Spirit provides an awareness of the right moment. Not every moment is the right moment. You remember in the scripture earlier, Jesus turned to them and said, for you any time is okay. For you any time is okay. You see an advantage, you take it. It's kind of the way the world works. You see a little opening, you take it. You don't think of others, you don't think of your God. The Holy Spirit provides an awareness of the right moment. In this particular part of the scripture, Jesus displays a moment-by-moment -moment following of the heart of the Father. A moment-by-moment -moment following of the heart of the Father. When his brothers talked to him and said, go, display yourselves, show who you are to the world, honor yourselves and honor us, his brothers would probably meaning. Jesus' answer was, no, I'm not going to go under those circumstances. This is what biblical commentary would tell you. No, I'm not going under those circumstances. So the time was not right to go publicly, as the brothers suggested, but the time was right to attend, but in secret. And then at some point in the festival, finally, the time was right to speak. And what we are called to do as believers, as we are in this world with our families, in our workplaces, in, in the people that we love around us, things that God has called us to do, our jobs, our careers, our homes, our families, we are called as people to be sensitive to the moment. There are moments and the Holy Spirit is calling us, and we hold back, we miss a moment of God. There are other times when we take forward in the absence of the Holy Spirit in our desire to control situations and others, and we take hold of a moment that is not yet right. So the Holy Spirit provides to us an awareness of the moment. Um, I had a, another story here um, of something that in my own life, um, <clears throat> so at one point, so I'm, I am a scientist and a professor at the university for some who don't know, but at one point there was um, a particular position that opened up um, and it would have been a position that would have uh, involved multiple universities throughout Quebec and it was something that uh, at the time, I had thought, probably, maybe this, I would be the right person for this. I had, it just 
was an, it just had come to me. And I remember mentioning it and talking about it to someone. And as I was chatting with this other individual and whatever happened, that was obviously not the right moment. And that moment passed. Later, about four years or three or four years later, when this, re and it was, this research center had been at the time functioning really well. It was about a research center in Quebec and it started to collapse. And it was on the verge of total disintegration. Um, there were the most horrible politics you could ever imagine being played. This was a number of years ago. And at that time, the Lord said, I've been reading scripture. God will guide us through scripture. God will guide us through prayer. God will guide us through others that we trust. God will guide us with a word from his Holy Spirit. And it was the moments now. What? Like, you know, what? This was literally stepping into a form of a lion's den. Honestly, really, it was. And yet that was the moment that God had called into. Jesus was also here stepping into a moment that's difficult. There are times when we think the moment is right and we are called through deep study, through prayer, through scripture, through others, talking with others that we care about and love. And, and, and we take the word that God has given us and seek the counsel of others. And there will be times when the God is saying, the moment is not now. But there will be other times when Jesus will say, the moment is now. And the world would say, whoa, oh, baby, that before, the time is right. Because, you know, the time is always right when the circumstances are kind of right, right? For you, the time is always okay. The world would have looked at this moment and would have said, Basil, that time is not right, baby. Get away from this. Walk away from it. Run away from it. The Lord confirmed and confirmed and we went into that. And it was the, one of the most amazing stories of my, you know, my career was how the Lord just toppled one stronghold after another. I mean, it could not have had anything to do with me at all. It was just the Lord saying, this is the moment. Here's where you are. And he's saying that to all of us. We're called to bring a form of redemption and restoration to wherever we are. And all of us have something to offer because we know these places. And we know the Lord. And the Lord said, go and go now. And it was one after the other after the other. Just a screaming mean, glory to God. That's all I can say. But God is calling in us and developing in us an awareness of the right moment. The scripture goes on, and in verse 15, it says, the Jews, because Jesus has gone now up, he's taken the moment, he's walked into an area where many people are against him, and he speaks his words. He teaches. This portion of scripture talks often about teaching and teaching and the solidity of teaching. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get so much learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. 
It comes from the one who sent me. And in one of the most powerful verses of scripture, in verse 17, Jesus says, anyone, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. It's amazing scripture. If anyone chooses to do God's will, they will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And this is another beautiful reminder to us about how the Holy Spirit leads us. It is not for us to convince people of truth. It's not us, up to us to enter into amazing debates and through massive works of intelligence or emotional intelligence or whatever forms of intelligence God has given us, win some form of argument almost and feel that we have to bring people to God or orchestrate circumstances so that we orchestrate people to somehow come to God. It is only our responsibility as believers through the power of the Holy Spirit to encourage people to engage the Lord directly. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. If someone is going to engage God directly with an honest heart, no matter what they might believe or disbelieve, they are engaging God with an honest heart, God will always listen and respond to that prayer. And it is not for us to control and to orchestrate the situations. You know, you can somehow think sometimes like, <clears throat> I've had the opportunity sometimes to give um, public lectures on faith and science, and this scripture has always been at the, almost at the foundation of everything. So you would have sometimes, you know, there would be, you know, you would give this, this talk, this public lecture on the fact that science and faith are not in conflict, and this was something many of you know I've spoken on at different places, and at the end, you would have somebody come highly argumentative or, or maybe someone who is very deeply non-believing in God. And the Holy Spirit gives us a discernment. And this is, again, a leading of the Holy Spirit. To enter into an argument with someone, you might win the mind, but you would lose the heart of that person. God is always calling us by the power of his Holy Spirit to look at the heart of those people who we work with, who are around us in our families, to engage at the level of the heart, not to honor ourselves. The story of this John chapter 7 is never to honor ourselves. It is to honor the Lord and to bring honor also to others. When people, when we only somehow point people to God or just whatever words we say, engage God. I would say to these people who would come, sometimes I could see highly argumentative. It would have been a trap to enter into arguments. I said, you know, all I can tell you is that if you're really interested in knowing whether God is real, tonight when you go home, 
Just shout it out to him. God, whoever you are, are you real? Shout that out. Show yourself to me. And I said, he will answer that prayer. So our responsibility, and even here as we're preaching, you know, we can have marvelous and wonderful things to say. The question is, has the Holy Spirit caused you this morning to engage with the Lord yourself between you and him and with me? Anything I'm saying here, God has absolutely caused me to engage with prior to this sermon. So the discussions require discernment of the Holy Spirit. We are not in control. We are not in control. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. In John chapter 7, verse 18, we go on. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a person of, or a man of truth or a person of truth. There is nothing false about them. And then jump down to verse 24, John chapter 7, verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So what is the Lord actually saying here? And what is Jesus telling us through these scriptures? He comes back again to this idea of gaining personal glory. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but who seeks the glory of the one who sent them is a person of truth. Another truth is that the Holy Spirit is transforming us into people of truth and substance, not people of appearance. People of truth and substance. What does a person of truth look like? And scripture says there is nothing false about them in that scripture. What does that mean, that there would be nothing false about them? The first thing is the Holy Spirit transforms us as people of God, is that we are not people that are principally preoccupied with appearance. We are preoccupied with the substance of this world that is around us. We live in a world where we are massively given images of appearance every day over substance. And we are called as people of God through the fog of this life and with the compass of the Holy Spirit to be people of substance, to be people of truth, not to be people of mere appearances. We actually live in a world where there is a warfare between appearance and actual substance. We live in a world where there has to be a lot of talk. This, this idea of truth is something that Lord has placed this on my heart. I believe there'll be another message just on truth coming up sometime in the future. We have to know and understand what it means. What does the word truth even mean? But we live in a world where there is a battle between just presenting an image and the substance, the deep core of who we are and what is being talked about here. And we are called by the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to perceive that. What does it mean 
that there is nothing false about them and to be people of truth. So as I said before, there's a whole thing to be said about what truth actually means, and this is something that the Lord has also put on my heart. But there is a principal basic teaching about truth here, and I believe that is where John chapter 7 is taking us. The principal aspect of teaching, when it says there is nothing false about them, is that there cannot be a disconnect between the words that we say and the lives that we live. This is how we are first becoming people of truth. We are not people of appearance. We become people of substance. And the Holy Spirit, I remember talking to someone actually in this congregation, they'll know who they are, and they said to me, all I want to do is talk to people who have authenticity, who are authentic. And for the Christian, what that means is, is that what's going on in our lives is connected to the words that we speak. And that is the first way in which we become people of truth. My friends, we are called. There should be nothing false about us. And of course, we all fall and we trip. But to have nothing false is, is that when the light of God shines on us, we ask for forgiveness. We have an understanding and our desire by the power of the Holy Spirit as he makes it aware to us is we put these things back in line. And there is a truth about who we are. There is nothing that is false. <clears throat> Verse 18 said, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent them is a person of truth. So they come back to this idea of gaining honor for ourselves. There is a whole lie actually now going on actually within even the Christian faith. We can talk about the world. The world loves to do honor for itself. But there is also a form of a lie even in, 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 in the Christian parts of the Christian church where somehow the gospel is really only about personal liberties and my personal freedoms. Gospel actually says very little about that. A gospel is telling us to not so much honor ourselves, but to honor our Lord and to honor those who are around us. As human beings, our default position is to honor ourselves. Our default position is to somehow honor us, and there's nothing wrong. We need to treat ourselves well. There's nothing wrong with treating ourselves well. We have to love others as we love ourselves. But the gospel has never been. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about lives that are focused on themselves. If anything, and it comes through in the scripture in John chapter 7, we are to take our eyes off ourselves which is a natural human endeavor, place them on the one who made us. Honor our God. And God will cause us also to honor and to love others. And somehow in all of that, God creates people of truth. We also take care of ourselves when we love our God and we love others. On the last day of the festival... We go down to verse 37 now, John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. And if any of you are wondering, how did you get kind of the Holy Spirit out of John chapter 7, Basil? 
is because if you actually read this and come down now to John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39, Jesus himself makes full reference to the Holy Spirit. Here are the verses. On the last and greatest day of the festival, the last day, the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. So Jesus here and at the end of his teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles on the last day, he prophetically talks about the Holy Spirit. And he talks about streams of living water. And what is really interesting is in the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, it was there was a special emphasis on water. In fact, there was a water ritual every day throughout the Feast of Tabernacles. But in the on the seventh day, which was the greatest day, the, the ritual related to water took on an even greater significance. And it was related to the rain, because remember, this was about bringing in the harvest at the end of the harvest. And it was a thankfulness for the rain. And Jesus is saying, just as he said to the woman in the well, he's saying... You tend to look to the physical, but I'm also, I want you to look at this in the spiritual. I will give you a living water. And he prophesies about the Holy Spirit. And in fact, everything that he showed us in how we act are teachings for us as to how the Holy Spirit will guide us in our lives through the fog of life. The Feast of Tabernacles was actually much more than an agricultural feast that was just related to many of the non-believing nations would have had some sort of agricultural feast. It was much more than that. The building of the booths and the boughs, the Sukkot, was about the redemption and the exodus from Israel. About living in the desert, about seeking redemption, and ultimately about forgiveness of sin. And what Jesus is doing here is he's talking about his entire message. And he is the redemption that they are celebrating in the Festival of Tabernacles. He is the one who will bring forgiveness of sin as we come to him. And he is the one who we are meant to honor and to glorify. All of the scriptures in John chapter 7 are appointing to us as to how we can be led by the Spirit. One last point that I wanted to make as we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. This is not so much in John 7, <clears throat> but it is an important point. And the point is, what is the role of the community into how the Holy Spirit leads us? Sometimes you can think, you know, like the Holy Spirit has said it to me. Bang, I know. This is it, everybody. Just listen to me. God spoke to me. The thing is, we're not Jesus, right? No one of us. We're human beings with flaws. We misunderstand things. Sometimes we think we get the timing right. Other times we get the timing wrong. Our leading by the Holy Spirit, we are called to seek the Holy Spirit. And the most important thing that we can do is like what was said in verse 17, 
today, the most important thing that somehow God can bring us all to do is call for the release of the Holy Spirit in your life. I've been doing this all week. Call for the release of the Holy Spirit in your life. Our leading by the Holy Spirit and the words that we receive and the understanding that we have, whether it's about our lives, others, needs to be taken humbly. All of it is founded on the fruits of the Spirit. Look at Galatians. And often, what is really important is that because we're human, we need confirmation from others. So you should actually, when God has given you, just as in the example I gave you about that particular choice at work, I went to Kathy, I went to my daughter, I went to different people, and I went to people that I trust, and I asked them, asked them, and I said, here's what the Lord has put on my heart. We are called to also, no matter how strong the gifts are within us, to seek also confirmation from people that we trust. Sometimes it may mean also, going ahead, if others, even some in some cases, disagree, but to go to the people that we trust, that we know that are linked closely to the Holy Spirit, is almost always a part of what God will call us to do. The true representation of Christ is his body. Whether you're here present today or you're watching us live stream, Acting out on our own, only by ourselves, would assume that we alone know the mind of Christ. But we are to act as a body and to encourage one another. And the Spirit is meant to unite, not to divide. So the Lord has called us and shown us there's teachings here that are dripping with how we are to live and how we are to be guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to be able to move freely through lives where we, are where we are principally interested in honoring ourselves. The Holy Spirit, as we read Scripture and we find ourselves in prayer, as we involve ourselves in a community of believers, and as we go out into the world, wherever it is where we are, the Holy Spirit is going to provide and also give us an awareness of evil. The Holy Spirit is going, to is going to teach us that choosing the right moment is important, that there is a moment that is right, and the Holy Spirit will give us that. It doesn't mean that we wake up every morning and every five minutes, Lord, do I put one foot in front of the other? I mean, you could end up not doing anything. But in the important and critical parts of your life, you all know what I'm talking about. These are areas where you know that there are Significant, okay? The Lord is going to teach us that choosing the right moment is important. The Holy Spirit, with all the people that are around us that we love, we are called to point to them, point them only to Christ, and pray that they themselves engage the Lord and cry out to him, and the Holy Spirit will speak to all that seek him. The Holy Spirit is making us into people of truth, and substance, and there will be nothing false about us. Even though we fail, the Lord will place a light on that 
And we are being made, none of us are perfect, but we're being made into the image of God. And there is a desire to be made into the image of God. And people, and there will be a truth about that. There's not this word that is used, this, this, this. There will be a resonance between the, the life lived and the words that are spoken. And the Holy Spirit penetrates all of our life from the most important ministries to the simplest tasks that we have at work and with our families. We are, the Holy Spirit sees all of these things as important. For us and for the Holy Spirit, all of these things hold importance. Not just that the time is okay for anything or you do this to give yourself glory. The smallest things in life that are brought to the Lord are honoring to him. The Holy Spirit penetrates all of our life and nothing is false. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, I just thank you that you have made a way for us. And Lord, as the song was, was sung this morning, you awaken the spirit in our lives, oh God. You awaken us, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon this place on each of us by the power of Oh, God, power of your Holy Spirit, your mighty word, oh, Lord, would it just fall upon this place. Teach us, lead us, guide us, unite us. Help us, oh, Lord, to speak into our world. Help us, oh, Lord, to see by your Holy Spirit into our own lives. Make us people of truth, I pray, and substance. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you love us, that you care for us, that you come with us, and that you walk with us along the way. You are a loving, mighty, wonderful Lord. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to enter into our time of Q&A now. So if you have a question in the room, we have a mic that's uh, going to be wandering around and it will come to you. So just raise your hand and they'll come to you. If uh, you're watching online or you're too shy to ask a question in person, then there's a number on the screen that you can text your question to. So we'll give it a couple seconds for questions to come in. Just raise your hand and we'll, we'll come to you. We have one right here. Hello, Pastor. What are your views on the theory of evolution? Sorry. Could you say that your, again? What are your views on the theory of evolution? Oh. <laughs> well, there, we'll sit down. And I can talk to you after the service about this. I don't think that this is exactly the right place to do it right here up at the front. It's a long discussion, but I would be, I'd love to sit and talk with you about that afterwards. All right? Come and see me after. I would love to do that. He's the right person for that question, too. What's that? <laughs> You're the right person for that question. Yeah, hey, I think I will be. Uh, well, we'll see. All right, I have one coming in through the There's, text uh, line. There's Carlos as well. But. Okay, so we'll, we'll wait for the mic to go over there. I'll just ask you this one. How do we differentiate between what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and what is just our wants or our thoughts? Right. So, you know, this is actually the Christian struggle really in some ways right and sure i'm sure you know just you must have things to say about this too and all of us do that um i think we're always the lord this is part of you know i let me just say this right um when we come to know 
you, Jesus Christ, and we make a decision to give our lives to God. The full image of Christ is in us. The full image of Christ. But there is a whole process after asking Christ to come, which we call sanctification, which is the guiding of the Holy Spirit, which is really the release of that and that image being made true in our lives. So what we do is, in answer to that question, and I think at least in my own life, is that there's certain things where I'm saying, okay, God, I don't really want you to go there right now. And that's one way that we get in the way. You know, Lord, okay, this is fine. I'll go ahead on this. Yes, I'll do this. Lord, I don't really want you to go there. And um, I think that that is, God is always, the Lord is always, and the Holy Spirit is challenging us, you know, in every part of our lives, every part of our lives. And and it is a process. Um, I think that we need to be in prayer. We need to be, you need to know your scripture. Scripture will speak to you. You need to have people that are around you that you trust. And those are three pillars that God has given us in the church and for this day that will guide us and help us and lead us. And always remember that you have a loving God. You have a loving, loving, loving God, a God that loves you and, and, and will lead you. Cheryl, I don't know if, Cheryl, if you have something to add. Well, I think that's a great answer. I would just add that um, you can train yourself to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit um, and, and then dif- be able to differentiate between those two things. And so work on that in your, in your walk with the Lord. Um, I did have someone. And, and just, just if I can say that again on that, because I think it's really key and um, I'm guessing that almost everyone here can say, how do I actually know it's the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, I think that, and I think what happens is that you will have, you know, if you're following the Lord, you'll have certain things come to you. And, you, you know, it doesn't come like a flash, like, okay, like, you know, blast of lightning, and I know this is God and the world, listen to me. Like, it's kind of like, I think this is what the Lord is telling me to do. And it might not be, because you know what? Like I said at the beginning, life is not always black and white. There are fog. There are multiple ways that we could go, left or right or whatever. And, and so here, what is, what is happening is, is that it can often sometimes even be a sense of confusion. But ask the Lord for direction. And then it would be confirmed in Scripture and in prayer and also with, by others that are close to you. Cheryl? Yeah, and, and living a life submitted to God so that you know that you're committed to, to living for him no matter what he asks you to do. Um, I did also have a comment here that said the Holy Spirit will never lead you into a choice or decision that is contrary to scripture. So thank you for that comment, whoever that was. Um, that, is, that is something that you said, and, and, and that's definitely something. If, if you don't see it in the scripture, the Holy Spirit's not leading you there. All right, so we had a question from Carlos, I believe. Oh, yeah, there, okay, couldn't see you. <laughs> I always uh, enjoy your teaching and um, your presentations. Um, you said a few times the, the two words fall upon, regarding the Holy Spirit to fall upon. Um, this is not a criticism, but, you know, sounds to me like King James talk of 16th century, fall upon. So can you give us an image that is, you know, related today, you know, I mean, I think it'll fall upon, I mean, I'm Spanish speaking, but 
still very hard to grasp the fall upon of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, something probably a bit more uh, that I can understand beside the fall upon uh, words. Thanks. Can you, can you ask that question one more time, Carlos? I don't think we... Uh, yeah, okay. What was you the know, question exactly, Sean, yeah, Carlos? I'm I'll sure say it in that. Spanish. Probably you understand better. Uh, the issue is, a few times you say in your talk about the Holy Spirit, to fall upon, fall upon. F-A-L-L-O-P-U-N. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my question here is, you know, I, I find it hard to grasp can you give, in, give us, uh, I guess, an image that is a bit more, so, I don't so know. Are you asking than, if, we could, if we could describe what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to fall upon someone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks. For the Holy Spirit to fall upon someone. An image for the Holy Spirit falling upon us. Well... There's so many images of, of how the Holy Spirit, I mean, I, to me, oftentimes is um, my devotions. I read Oswald Chambers regularly, my utmost for his highest, and there is something that comes out that just speaks deeply into my life, like it resonates with me. Um, scripture also, and it just resonates deeply with me. I think the image, what is really amazing about Scripture, the Word of God, sermons, any of these things, is that people can listen or read to the same thing, but absolutely be touched by something completely different than someone else. And so it resonates deeply inside of us. Um, I just when it's teaching about me, when it's conviction, when I see a light of something in my life that is not right, I know that that is a movement and that is a speaking of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit falling on me. I mean, I think that there are moments that are, um, that those are relatively undramatic. I mean, there are other moments where um, I have, for example, at times spiritual dreams and, and in very, very, very critical moments, those spiritual dreams have given me some guidance. But I've maybe had like, you know, those would be like once, you know, those are, are, are not happening very often. And it's not the regular, you know, but, but the Lord is not limited, right, in any way. Uh, Cheryl, do you have something else to say? Well, I think the, the main ways that we see that that happen is through spiritual gifts that people have. And, and there's a whole list in the Bible about um, spiritual gifts that we, we receive. Um, there's also the fruit of the Spirit, which it's not natural for us to be, you know, about those things. But the Spirit falling on our lives means that we become more about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., etc. Um, and I think that it looks different for everyone, like you said. Um, there have been times, you know, when someone's prayed for me and said, I have a picture of this thing. And it's like the weirdest thing that like picture that you've ever heard and you're like I don't have a clue what that means and then like a couple years later someone I've known for two weeks is like oh I know what that means and just like tells it to me and then I fully like understand my whole life you know I have a moment so so it just it, it's it's hard to say this is what it looks like when the spirit falls on you because it's different for so many people 
um, because we're all individuals and God has us on um, these journeys that the Spirit is going to lead us to. But I would say one of the, the main things that the Spirit is supposed to do um, is to point us to Jesus. And so if that's happening in your life, that's fruit that the Spirit is in your life. You know, I, I think, Carlos, you're probably also, I agree totally with everything Cheryl said as well. Like, but I think, Carlos, what you're saying is I, I almost always pray that the Holy Spirit will fall upon us almost before every sermon. And, and you might be referring perhaps also to that. And what does that mean? And I really believe that what we are called to do here on a Sunday morning is part of this is teaching, but part of us, we need to have the sense that we have been in the presence of God. That is all. We just need to have a sense, whether it's through the song, whether it's a sermon, whether it's something else that's been said, we need to have a sense that we have met God. And that's all. If you've met God this morning on something, then the Holy Spirit has fallen on this place. And of course, we take that outside of this place. You know, it is not just meant to be here only on a Sunday morning. But that, to me, I think is also certain truth. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Carlos. Are there any other questions in the room? Okay, we have one from Chris right here. This is going to be our last question. Thanks, Martin. Uh, not a question, uh, a comment, an illustration of what you just spoke about happening in community on Friday of this week. Um, a number of us may have received a message um, through Becky from Youth for Christ that there was a need in our community to send six teenagers who had never been uh, to camp to Frontier Lodge. And it was, it was sent in love and there was a goal. And at the end of the day, we received another note saying that that goal not only was reached, but was surpassed. And I, I thought it really illustrated well of the work of the spirit in our community and, and really not, not quenching the spirit, but just uh, say, this is, this is the part that we can do, however little it may, may be, it's, it's up to the Holy Spirit. So I, I, it, it just resonated with me uh, so much what you said this morning, Basil, but it, it's been happening in community and it just, just did. So, so true. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Chris. And the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit goes beyond us into our communities, into the, thank you so much for that reminder that is, we're actually called to action, right? in our love for others. We're called to action. That is, that is also a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Great. Thanks for those questions. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll continue on in singing. Father, thank you for the fact that you have sent your Spirit to us uh, to lead us and to guide us and to point us to you. And I pray that you would open our eyes to um, the things in our lives that are quenching the Spirit, um, that we would get rid of those and that we would repent so that we can um, see the Spirit work more and more and more in our lives um, because it's an endless supply. And I pray, Father, that you would just allow the Spirit to draw us closer to you and that we would move from here 
leave from here ex experiencing your spirit in, in new and deep ways. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.